Mic check, mic check. One, two, one, two. Yo, Ant, you gonna chime in on this? Pay him. Pay that man his money. Hello, hello. Welcome in to the Dab Podcast, episode 61. We are back on remote location. It might be becoming one of our favorite places to be recording on the campus of Fairleigh Dickinson University, Florham. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and alongside me, always, you know the deal by now, my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew. Let's be real. Tell the folks how we do on the diamond the other night, brother. Me? And or the, the Metropolitans? The squad, brother. I don't care about the Mets. I want to know about Coach Andrew Romanello. Listen, babe. Let's tell the folks. Let's hype up the squad. With the, the squad finally got a win. There you go. We ended a, a much-needed losing streak. little extra innings. Three runs. Tied 6-6. Blew a few leads. That's all right. Uh, ended up putting three up in the 10th. We're six and ten. Big three games in the conference coming up this weekend, my man. Gotta pitch and play defense. Gotta pitch and play defense. Speaking of pitch and play defense, how's the travel situation you got with FDU? You guys gonna travel up to Syracuse, you know, back down to Florida? We like to, to keep the fans engaged. You know, wherever the fans are, we like to keep them engaged. So if we have to travel to North Jersey, the South Jersey, sometimes skedaddle over to the western part of New Jersey, listen. There's going to be no complaints from from people on our staff, Mr. Rinaldi. And I know what you're referencing. And we'll get into it in a minute because I know you want to get my Mets wheel spinning today. Choke of an organization. You want to get them spinning? We'll tap on that before we do any of it, though. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Social media. At Dab Podcast on all of them. Hit us on the website, dabpodcast.com or the Gmail, dabpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Mets, the Mets, the Mets always get the headlines come March, Andrew. But for the wrong reasons. You could say that. Yes. But listen, they paid. They paid your guy. They did pay our guy. I, I texted you immediately. I knew you'd be amped up. I was fired up. Listen, okay. Five years, $137 million. Okay. He had two years remaining on his deal. So essentially, we're looking at Jacob DeGrom in a Mets uniform for the next seven years. There's a full no trade clause on the deal. There's a six-year option that has to be exercised by the team. And there's a 2022 opt-out that can be exercised by Jacob DeGrom. I understand the argument that he had two years left on his deal and why are you going to sign him? He's 31, going to be 32. He's an older arm. He's already had Tommy John. I hear all of those things, and I completely agree with them. But the rock and the hard place comes when the agent of the guy looking to get paid had already came out and said, when he was still Jacob DeGrom's agent, pay that man. And now he's the general manager of the New York Mets. And I think it would have been really hard to gain and continue to gain the respect, Ant, of the players in that locker room if they don't clearly pay the best player on the team. 
I, that argument, you know, seals the deal for me. I, I understand it completely. Everyone's arguing, yelling about they have to do it. They don't have to do it. When's the right time to do it? You see everybody getting these extensions. They're obviously going to be free agents next year. The Mets have control of the Grom, so it's kind of an interesting play. But it's I feel like it's typical Mets. It's a typical Mets play. And they succumb to the pressure of the they're fan fans. Base. I knew you were going to say that. And they're also, it's not wrong. And they're probably going to succumb to the pressure of the fans. And Mr. Pete Alonzo, you're going to burn a year of arbitration and bring him up, you know, come. He's going to make the 25 man roster when really, if you let him down for a month and then bring him up, you have an extra year. It's just, for some reason, the Mets, they don't play smart baseball. They just do whatever, whatever's in the fans' ear, like whatever seems to make the headlines in the back pages seems to grab the Mets' attention. But here's my argument to that. And I, I get what you're saying. And I don't think that organizations should be making decisions based on what their fans want. They should be making decisions that are the smart decisions for the organization to make. I completely agree with you. But is signing Jacob deGrom not a – it's not, not a smart decision. It's not a bad decision. It's not like you're going out there and giving this extension to a guy like Steven Matz where you're like, whoa, hold on a second here because he has injuries, always has injuries, can't even pitch a complete season. I mean, this man for the last year and a half, arguably two full seasons, has been revered as the best pitcher in baseball. And I get the drop-off is 32. But you know what? If you get four great years out of Jacob deGrom and three semi-decent years out of Jacob deGrom, to me, it's a successful contract. And here's my argument, the second part of that. Are Yankees fans mad about CC Sabathia's first contract? What happened at the end of that contract? He turned into a fifth starter for three years, went through an alcohol problem on that contract, and then signed one-year deal after one-year deal, now after one-year deal. And yet the Yankees fans aren't looking at that deal and saying it was stupid. I get it's a different time. It was a different age, all those things. But I have a real hard feeling that the Mets fans are going to be super happy when this deal comes to an end. And if you mirror anything like that CC Sabathia deal, taking out obviously the, the alcohol issues, and he is able to be at the end of that contract a solid four or five starter, and you get four great years out of him at a World Series – Obviously, what's wrong with that deal? Gotta watch Efron's crunch berries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, the, the only problem with the deal, obviously, all Mets fans wanted Jacob deGrom, and obviously, it's great that he, the guy grew up a Met, he's gonna be in the organization for a while. It's just a timing aspect, there's no need. You basically, the Mets had a free year of him, they had a free run at him just to see if he. Will produce at a high at that high rate again. Obviously, it'll be tough to repeat a Cy Young and a, a 1.7 ERA. Obviously, you hope that if you're Mets fans, but obviously anything sub two or even two will be amazing. So you'll take that in a heartbeat. But I just think the Mets seem to, like I said, it's they they do almost every deal in a vacuum. Like they're looking at it, like because like I said, the fan almost a fan pressure. And when you start running your organization that way. You kind of, I mean, obviously the Mets had that run in 2015 to the World Series. You were there. Uh, but, I mean, I don't see the Mets doing much. It's a tough division this year. Uh, I like the lineup. I like Cano's bat. I like, like I said, Pete Alonso. He's having a great spring. So is Dominic Smith. You know, what What do you do there? You got an interesting, you know, a few holes, third base. Obviously, you want a healthy Wilson Ramos as an upgraded catcher. Robinson Cano is a professional bat. Conforto, hopefully he's, he, he keeps swinging the, the lumber. 
find a center fielder. We'll talk about it. That pitching staff is second to none, Andrew. You know that. If they're healthy. He- healthy, right? I agree. And you hope Zach Wheeler takes that step and becomes what you think he's going to be. But I don't know. It just for some, for some reason, the Mets just seem to always stub their toe and always grab the headlines in March. Yeah. And like I said earlier, sometimes, a lot of times, for the wrong reasons. Let me ask you this. So you're a player in that locker room, right? And the things you've heard from the man that is now your general manager and Brody Van Wagenen in the past seem to be that he's going to or believes players that earned it should be taken care of. Now he gets into a position where he has that opportunity. And I get it. You had a free year of him. But the dudes in the locker room, whether it's right or it's wrong, had DeGrom's back, which is why Syndergaard sounded off. Yeah, partly because he didn't want to go to Syracuse and he didn't want to add that part of his trip. But also in that same statement, he talked about pay the man already, right? That was what you alluded to in the open, okay? So the players clearly were on the side of DeGrom. So the question is, if you're a player in that locker room, how would you feel if he didn't get signed? Hold that argument real quick. I mean, the fact that why would you schedule a visit to your triple your, your new AAA affiliate literally the, the the one day off before they start to head out in the MLB season? Why not have them early in spring training? Like the first day of spring training, have your pros out there signing autographs, kissing babies, shaking hands. I got an idea. Or schedule that in November when you schedule spring training. Yeah, I, it just <laughs> for some reason I don't, the Mets just don't get it. They don't understand it. Obviously, if anything that a travel day in on a Tuesday before the Thursday opener in Washington, D.C., if that's any effect on the team, I, I doubt it. Obviously, they're going to have off days three of the next like six days. Exactly. They'll figure it all out. I, you know, I know you have high hope for your Mets, and obviously, every fan should. I don't. You don't? Well, you should have. I high don't. Hope because you never know what happens in a baseball season. And I know, I know last year you were just unbelievably wicked smart when it came to baseball picks. And if your predictions. you, but before we go on, I need you to answer my question. If you were a player in that locker room, all right, the question I'll totally skip over. I know. If you were a player in the locker room, how would you feel if you, the best player on your team, didn't get paid when he deserved to get paid? Whether you agree or you don't as a, a common non-baseball player in that locker room, how would you feel? See, I can never answer that honestly because I, I never see that kind of money. It's not like he's making peanuts this year, folks. It's not like he's making 600000 He's not on food stamps. He's going to be fine. He he settled for He's the most seventeen mil. He settled for the most arbitration, you know, spike whatever. And next year he probably make ungats a, a, a ton more. But it's not about the people; it's about the players in the locker room and their but, respect for their general manager. With the respect for the general manager, he just signs guys that he used to be former player agents for. Why well, all I, his CAA guys came over? Obviously, Jet Lowry, obviously Degrom was there, but that was his guy. Who else did he bring over? Uh, and he brought over Jessica Mendoza and Al Leiter to Al bring Leiter. up into the front office. Uh, interesting place, kind of like those. And I get it. The CAA, I got to have a spy on the MLB. That's true. I don't necessarily agree. But for, I mean, the team also, the players also got to realize the business aspect of it. Like, he's, I, I, if he was a, if he was a free agent next year, if he only had one year left, yeah, clearly you want to give him the, you want to sign him because you want to keep him happy. But the fact that you had a, a, the the organization had a free run at him this year, and I get it, the optic it looks to the players. But at some point, you can't let your players on the organization. True. The organization needs to be a business. It needs to look at things in a, in a business. I don't know. For me, for some reason, the Mets just seem to make the wrong decisions. I, and kinda I, like I the, agree. Kind of like the Jets, kind of like the Knicks. You know, the, the, for some reason, the franchises just make the wrong decisions and it doesn't play out well. And I agree. 
And I do agree in the end. You have to make the decision business savvy first, franchise savvy first, and not player savvy. I'm just saying the problem was, and I know it was before his job, it's the same thing Cliff Kingsbury in the NFL is going through right now. You said something. It's on record. Whether the optics have changed or not, Brody Van Wagenen said, if you're not going to pay Jacob deGrom last year, trade him. Well, now he has the chance to be the guy paying him, and so he would be a complete hypocrite if he didn't complete it. However, I do, in the end, agree with the fact that they got to run a business savvy. It's, the only problem is it's, it's, it's an optical thing for the Mets. It's always an optic with the Mets. It just looks bad because you had a free year. God forbid you don't want to see any injuries. God forbid he blows his arm out next year. And that's now, what he's worried about. That right, the injury exactly. is what he's worried. So about. you understand from the players' aspect why he want he'll, he'll jump with that security. Frankly, he's probably underpaid when you think about it. True. If he would have waited till say he has another Cy Young caliber year, what do you think the Mets would have to pay him to next, keep him? Oh my goodness! Next offseason, exactly one hundred percent. But it's always different. You know, it's always different between I think position players and pitchers. True. Because the whole thing once every five days, like you understand why you know. Everyone's comparing to Mike Trout. He still had two years left with the Angels re-up that. I mean, clearly, when you have somebody who's going to get four, you know, see, see the plate four or five times, he's going to be in the and field every, every game. Right. Stealing bases, you know, throwing guys out. So it's a whole different story. But. And I, I, 100%. 100%. And I love hearing those people say, well, how, how could you – you know, Bryce Harper gets paid. Mike Trout gets paid. Why can't you pay Jacob Grum? Because the pitcher is a fragile position. And more so than ever do we see – so many pitchers, injuries that ruin derailing careers. But uh, go speaking of that, I, I have no clue. Maybe you can fill me in what the hell the Red Sox are thinking of signing Chris Sale. So you disagree? Oh, I mean, listen, for the money, the fact that he was injury ridden last year, I mean, yeah, they won a World Series. So Did guess, they sign him because of the playoffs? I guess so. I mean, the, the dude's a studies. I mean, he's, he's a lefty. Dude's what, a buck 90 soaking wet. Yeah, he's tall and lanky. And the dude just throws heat. And it's a weird angle. It comes at you. He hides the baseball so well. He's long and lanky. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. I think Chris Sale has been predominantly one of the best pitchers in baseball for a long time, but the injury is what concerns me. And the fact that he did what he did in the playoffs is huge, but I trust more of him not doing that than doing that the remainder of his career. And so for me – I would be a little concerned if I was a Red Sox fan on that deal with the injuries that he's coming off of. And actually, and you asked me before, and I'd love to give you some of my picks, but there's a reason why I don't believe the Red Sox are going to win the AL East this year. And, I, and I, part of that is because no, sir. No, of sir. that length of year they had to play to win the World Series last year. But they were so not injured last year <laughs> that I, I never believed that that can happen two years in a row. Boston does not stand a chance. In the AL East, Andrew, lock it up. All right, so let me let's do this. All right, I want you to give me a sleeper in the National League and the American League, and I want you to give me a team that you believe is going to underachieve in both the National League and the American League. We'll start with sleeper first. Sleepers, your sleepers, league is your decision. Sleepers, sleepless in sleepers. Sleepless in Seattle. I think that's a movie. I'm going to go with a, a team that was uh, is. Per- Perennially a great team. They kind of had an off year last year. They didn't do much, but I think they're going to have a nice bounce back kind of line in the weeds team. They're out of the NL Central, Andrew. That's the St. Louis Cardinals. Really? They just re-signed Goldie. I like that bat in that lineup. And I, I just think that, you know, the pitching, 
a little bit of coaching, they'll be all right. And that Central's tough, but I just, you know, battle it out. Give me St. Louis. I just, that's a baseball town. The fans love them. So that's your sleeper, huh? That's my sleeper out of the NL. All right, give me your AL sleeper. I'm going to go with the Angels. Oh. I'm a big Mike Trout guy. People are not got high on the, on the Got Angels. him on the fantasy squad. Listen, if, if Showtime comes back healthy, obviously he's got the Tommy John, but I think he's going to bat, which is mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Somebody can do something. But that still that forceful swinging, yet he can't pitch, but whatever. It's, I guess the arm, you know. It's it is well above what my, it is. <laughs> well above my pay grade to figure that nonsense out. He's but, fine in the bank account, I'll tell you that. My old man Pujols, I think he's still on the squad. Maybe a, reju- a rejuvenated Matt Harvey out there. Oh. You know, maybe he'll find himself in L.A. Who knows? That's another great place to party. This dude loves to just go to teams that were his party. Well, that's what that is. Besides his cup of coffee in Cincinnati, where he obviously was never going to re-sign because that place is brutal. Yeah, 100%. So, give me the Angels, Andrew. Wow. All right, all right. I I, I like that because I think. But I that, like the. I should I should preface that obviously. I think me. I think Houston wins that division, but I like the Angels in the first wild card. And my see, my only problem with the Angels is I just don't believe they have the pitching. Like that's the only thing that scares me. Like they have a pretty solid lineup. They have Lucroy now behind the dish, which I think that's a guy for us talking about the mess. If Andrew Heaney can oh. back healthy, if he can come back healthy, yeah, I got him a fantasy squad too, so it bums me out. Is he enough? I mean, Trevor Cahill like that. Doesn't right. doesn't make me too happy. so. We'll see. Well, I I don't. I think that they'll be playing meaningful baseball in August. I definitely can agree with you on that one. And I'll touch on the Cardinals a little bit later because huge, huge fan of that team. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you, and you made you made fun of the city, but my sleeper in the NL this year is going to be the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds were cooking this year, making moves. Improving that roster, Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, they got some good young arms. I think that that's going to be a team to be reckoned with. Oh, and oh, by the way, our head coach here at FDU's best friend, J.R. House, is the third base coach now for the Cincinnati Reds. So a little bit of love out there to Housey. But um, watch out for the Cincinnati Reds. Not a lot of love. Hey, guys, you know Joey Votto? He's an effing stud. And he still plays there. So look out for the Cincinnati Reds in the National League, Mr. Rinaldi. And then in the American League, the Minnesota Twins. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If you see, if you looked at what the Twins did last year, that was a team where people were super surprised with the way that they were playing. And I think that when you look at – Talk about pitching, Andrew. Well, true. When you Jeez. look at that AL Central – I mean, it's been the Cleveland Indians, what, each of the last three years probably? I don't have a lot of faith in that Cleveland Indians team. My underachiever. Hashtag. Really? Teaser. So, yet, yet. <laughs> should, we, should we go to a commercial break real quick so, so we can really make the people wait on Run it back for the folks, Andrew. Run it back. So, and, and listen, and for me, again, it comes down to pitching. I said they had some good young arms. They did sign a former Met and one Addison Reed for the back end of their bullpen. Um, I don't know. I just have a good feeling about it. I, let, this, let this be known. I did pick the Milwaukee Brewers last year to be a sleeper, so I'm hoping I get that same love. But watch out for the Minnesota Twins in the, in the American League, Mr. Rinaldi. Got to come through my New York Yankees first, boys, so bring it. Bring your A game. We'll see. All right, hey, listen, you well, you, you already teased it, so. Go give the people your underachievers. My underachiever, and you kind of hit in the head. I mean, obviously, they actually have great pitching, so it's kind of a weird sentiment and a great shortstop in Lindor. Not a bad squad, but I feel like they may be rebuilding. If it doesn't kind of 
work out too well. I know Kluber was on trading block. They just re-signed Carrasco. They want to, I think, they want to build around him. Trevor Bauer is a is a Twitter knucklehead. I have no idea what that guy. He's off the he's off the wagon. He's so far gone. I don't know if Cleveland wants him anymore. So he could be trade bait, you know, come trade deadline or before if, if Cleveland falls out. So I, I agree with you and your sleeper in Minnesota. I think they take a huge leap forward. Great. They have a great infield. And just signed Marwin Gonzalez, by the way, off the cheap free agency. What? How many guys are still left? Like, what do they do come Thursday? They're just hanging out? Yeah, chilling, waiting for injuries. I mean, really. Like, that, what's Dallas Keuchel doing right now? He's training. Who's calling him up? Waiting for injuries. And why is Milwaukee not signed Kimbrell? What are they waiting for? Here's what Aren't I'm they all you. injured? If, Aren't your Brewers fully injured out of the bullpen? They are. If somebody – What's if, going on, Andrew? If somebody signs a free agent in the first three weeks of the season, something's gone horribly wrong for them. That's what usually happens. I, I think Keiko's holding out because he doesn't want to shave his beard. Well, Yankees have called him, and I was but he won't shave his beard. And I was surprised, speaking of your underachiever in the, the Indians, I thought they were going to jump on a guy like that. I, I thought throwing a guy like Keiko into their rotation, which I don't think is very deep, would be a great addition. They're top three heavy. Three heavy. Right. Oh, no, I, Clevenger. I forgot little Clevenger. Yeah. Yeah, true. He's on the fantasy squad. I like him. Yeah. But do you think that that's enough? And you clearly don't. No, you got to have some heading. Look at the teams in the AL. You know, they always say pitching and defense wins ball games in the postseason. But look at last year. I mean, maybe last year was the anomaly. But Boston mashed their way. Smashed. <laughs> they and, hit everybody. I mean, if, if, if you look at the Yankees lineup, air, air quotes, when healthy, I mean, that lineup, one through nine, I mean, sure. there's not many holes. Same thing with Boston. Uh I mean, there's just there's just a lot of bats, and I just – yeah, you can have pitching, but I don't know. Cleveland just – Cleveland to me just seems like a – not a dumpster fire, but going I think, down I think they're going to go fire sale. National League. National League. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves. Wow. I think they were one year – I think they were one year too 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 heavy. Too, too, too early? Too early. So and now you don't think they're arriving at all? No, I just think that there's a lot of moves around, and obviously, I'm gonna the, the Phillies are gonna be interesting because they're gonna take a few games to get used to all these new moving parts. So that's gonna be interesting. The uh, debacle, the Mets. Oh, your Mets! I think they're gonna be a hot mess, but I think they're gonna figure it out, and I think they're gonna be a, th- a thorn in the side of the Braves. And to me, pitching faulty's hurt. I don't like that. Tehran, he's your he's your typical innings eater. He's not. He, he's your number one, I guess. Yeah, he pitches like three really good games in a row. Exactly, and then he gets shelled for shell. five. <laughs> Dominates the Mets season, one of those, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then shells. Yeah. So was, uh, I think the NL East is going to be a beast, and I, I don't I don't see them repeating. They may slip into a wild card spot, but I, I just, for some reason, the Braves to me feel like they're just going to underachieve. And I think that from the National League side, the Dodgers are going to underachieve. I don't like the injuries Clayton Kershaw has. I don't trust Jin Ru as an arm. I don't know if I can continue to trust Canley Jansen at the back end of that bullpen. He hasn't been super special. And Rich Hill, if people remember correctly, three years ago was pitching in independent baseball. So has he put together two great major league seasons? Yes. But that to me says that it's a short shelf life, not a long shelf life. And I feel like that's a drop-off year for him this year. They have a great offense. Seager, Turner, Taylor, those boys, like they can swing it. They have a good offense. People don't forget about Max Muncy, home run derby champion, right? Your boy. The, they have a good offense, but I just don't think they have enough pitching depth. And I don't trust Canley Jansen at the end of games. He's sketchy to me. He is. I, he's good. But for some reason, when, when the lights are on and it's and it's real deep, probably more so in the playoffs than anything else, 
I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be be a guy. And I think the Dodgers are going to underachieve this year. That scares me. My fantasy closer. Mm. Scare me with that. Scare me with that Jansen. Nonsense. Well, yeah, you don't need him in the postseason though. That's right. Regular season only. And you got you got into back to back World Series and lost. I'm not saying it's easy to go to three, nor should you. But I'm saying like we're talking about wild card spot, losing in the wild card game, that type of underachieving this year. There, listen, I think Magic's too busy to put with the Lakers. Yeah, he needs to. So the Dodgers have back burner. So who who knows? My underachiever in the American League is the Boston Red Sox. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a World Series hangover. Listen, that's what I'm saying, man. That shit exists. That's real. That's all. And and in baseball, more so than anything else, because the tax on the arms. They have a closer. Who's their closer? Exactly. I don't. It's Who's sketchy. Setup guy? You know, there's a common theme though. There's a common theme here. We talk so much about pitching depth. And there is not a lot of it. And those are the teams that I'm worried about not performing because they don't have the pitching depth. I put the Red Sox in that category. Plus, they were so not injury prone last year. David Price nicked up already. I just don't believe that they can stay fully healthy off of a World Series run enough to be able to get themselves back to promise and win the AL East. I don't. How much is Mookie Betts going to get in the free agent market? Because well, I think I mean, he's—I don't think Boston can afford him. He don't get more than Mike Trout. No, no, he don't get more. Than Mike he can't get more than. He'll Mike probably Trout. get more a- annually every year, but sure. I don't know the lengthwise. I don't think he'll top four hundred thirty million. I think that number is going to be right tough to top. But Mookie Betts—I mean, he's, he's right up there with Trout. I think I think he he falls if in not one A. I mean, he's one B. Trout's falls, one. You know, Mookie Betts is right there. I think he falls in between Harper and Trout. You know, pick the midpoint, 385, 390, right. seven years. I think that's the line. I think that's the line a player probably wants, especially at age, what, 26 or 27, Mookie bets, somewhere in that range. Um, yeah, that's where I'm putting him. That's my expectation for him. I, I, I sincerely hope from your lips to God's ears that the Boston Red Sox blow chunks this year. Well, we'll see. Real quick, before we move on, list off. Who you think wins the uh, divisions here in Major League Baseball? Simple, Andrew. AL East by Yankees. Oh, God. Give me the Twinkies out of the Central. Surprise. Whoa. I'm going go, to go to the, the powerhouse Houston Astros. I think the pitching has enough out of the West. That's a tough division. Like I said, I have the Angels being my sleeper wildcard team. Did you look at my uh, picks for this podcast? Uh, of course I did. That's how I get my picks. Android cheap. Oh, well, I, I didn't put pay, plagiarism on this episode. No. NL East. I'm gonna do it. It pains me to do oh. it because I don't think they're gonna. They're not gonna be good very up, very early. But I'm picking the Phillies. So you're. It's like the NBA model where like you put a big three together, they suck for the first twenty five exactly. games. They, they're, gonna, they're gonna start like thirteen and fourteen. They'll be like, oh, blowing up. Bryce Harper blows. These guys like two forty. Yep. Philadelphia's gonna be worried. Then you're gonna turn around in fucking July, and they're gonna be nasty. Yeah. <laughs> in the Central, I don't trust Milwaukee's back end. I know we talked about it. Knable, Jeffers, they're all hurt. I don't know what they're waiting for. Kimbrel's out there. His arm's hanging in there. He's fucking waiting for it. <laughs> but give me, give me St. Louis out of Central. My sleeper team. I think they're going to pull. I think they're all those bats. And out of the West. I can't I, wait to hear this one. I know out of the West because you're such a jinx and you picked it as your underachiever. But I'm picking the Dodgers. <laughs> Just for all the things that you mentioned about their offense, similar to the Yankees. They can swing it. The pitching depth is shaky. You're not shaky, but you suspect if it's healthy. Obviously, Kershaw can fix that back. If, if he's not as banged up as we think he is, but it's always bad when you're a pitcher and your back hurts. Sure. And you're, what, 28? How old is yeah. Kershaw, 29? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's tough. It's a pfft. That's tough to be that age with back problems because you got to think what's going to happen when you're older. You know? I agree. And he, he has another one with a weird funky motion. So give me the Dodgers. Andrew, all right, so maybe you didn't look on. at all my notes. No, 
we're totally different. All right. Well, in the American League, I got the exact same thing. Yankees, Twins, Astros. I really think the Twinsies are going to do something here. You know the Astros are predominantly good. They just signed a little extension to Justin Verlander, get him all fired up. They want a bounce back year. They were not satisfied with what they did last year. In the National League Central, I also have the Cardinals. I really do think uh, it's going to be a good year. They made some good moves this offseason. In the NL East, I got the Braves again. I think that the Phillies, what's going to happen this year is they win the wild card, and then next year is when they hit that stride of we could be an NL East powerhouse like the Braves in the 90s, like fucking the New England Patriots in the AFC East, something like that. That's when they'll hit their stride for next year, as, uh, as much as I hope that does not happen. And in the NL West, you're going to like this one. I got the Colorado Rockies. Wow. Yeah. My boy. Yeah. I'm not happy that DJ LeMay, who's not there. Uh, I I think for the Yankees, that's going to be gigantic. I think he's going to be huge for them. But I do think that they have enough. Watch out for that pitching staff. They were good uh, last year. They Well, you know, it's not that they they were necessarily whoa. It's that they were just better than most pitching staffs normally are for the Colorado Rockies. So look out for the Colorado Rockies in the NL West. That's a tough ballpark. It is. And most of those teams play better on the road, than, excuse me, at home than they do on the road. But last year's team was one of those. I don't know, like you said earlier, was it, is it an anomaly? Is it not? We'll see going into this year. I, and you know what? I am fired up for baseball season. Too fired up. Just like you get fired up for your favorite segment. Yes, headlines. It's headlines. All right, all right, all right. Here we go, Mr. Rinaldi. Headlines. Number one, Secretary of Education, Betsy Debos, I believe I am saying that correctly, calls for the slashing of more than $18 million in federal funding for the Special Olympics and other discretionary programs in the Department of Education. The headliner being the Special Olympics. To me, Mr. Rinaldi, that just sounds wrong. That sounds like she sucks, Andrew. I mean, really? How are you going to do that to the kids? I mean, the Special Olympics are something... That everyone is, I mean, this occasion itself just brings everybody together. It's a great opportunity. But you know what? It's just, it's a typical move and a political ploy to, to pull money, to ex- excuse for something else to go. It's, it's just horrible, Andrew. And remember, she just called for it. It's nothing in fine writing yet, but we just hosted a Special Olympics event the other day, man, and it was it was super awesome to see, and it's really special and good for the community. So I hope that one doesn't pass. Number two, on a less serious note Rob Gronkowski retires after nine seasons with the New England Patriots he finishes his career 115 games 7,861 receiving yards and 79 touchdowns your favorite stat of the day Mr. Gronkowski averaged 0.69 TDs per game in his career Uh, come on right off into the sunset Gronkowski you animal you I mean brilliant dude had an amazing career unguardable at times one of the best to do it, Andrew. And really, there's nothing bad you can say about the dude. On and off the field, he's just a, he's just a grunt. Does he go to wrestling? WrestleMania's in a month. You'll ah, see him there. I don't. You'll see him and McGregor. I'm a be- together. <laughs> I'm a believer that he's not. But wow, the McGregor call. Look at you. All right, we'll see. We'll see. All right. And staying in the NFL, last headline of the day: the NFL changes the challenge rule. Of course they do, because the fan base is pissed off. Speaking of making decisions for your fans, either way, 
You can now challenge pass interference calls, and they can be reviewed by the referee under two minutes at the end of a half. How about them apples, Mr. Rinaldi? Do the Will Ponds own the NFL? <laughs> Are they making these rule changes? I see what L- you did Listening there. to your fans there? I mean, listen, how do you how do you do that? I mean, the NFL is so reactionary, but at least they're getting it right. Obviously, a play like that that could determine a team going to the Super Bowl. You don't want to have that happen on the national stage and be the nat- and be all the talk up and leading up to the Super Bowl, basically. So the rule change was in effect. It's a one-year trial. They may find some kinks in it. They'll hopefully they'll work it out. But I think it's a step in the right direction because with the technology they have today, why not get it right when you can get it right with the backup? I can- the eye in the sky. The eye in the sky is now going to be able to challenge pass interference calls. I will give you my opinion on that in a second, but I will remind you because I didn't say it earlier. Headlines is brought to you by DigMeNation.com. DigMe is the official sponsor of the Dab Podcast. The guy in the tie, get him all 30% off at digmenation.com using the promo code DIGTHEDAB. That's D-A-A-B. Use the promo code DIGTHEDAB at checkout, digmenation.com, 30% off promo code DIGTHEDAB. So you're completely okay with that rule change? I mean, it takes something as horrible as the New Orleans Saints game missed call to change something like that, but I think it's a good rule because there's a lot of times where you know that pass interference, it may be you know third game of the season, fourth game of the season, it could be week 17, it could be in the playoffs. But now you have the ability to make that rule different and to change the outcome of games which in a good way because, listen, you want to get it right. But I have a feeling there's going to be ways to get around these things. People, coaches are you – know, Belichick's going to be thinking of something crazy to do. It's going to be – a game-winning touchdown, as long as they don't throw holding into that mix, as long as you can't throw a discretionary flag on holding because you know they'll throw, oh, look, check that, there was holding there. That's when you know we're going to have a problem. Well, and but that's where we're almost at, and this is my only concern with this rule. One, I, I, well, I guess it, I have two concerns. I don't really necessarily agree with it because I, I understand the blatant ones that happened in the Saints game, but I am scared more so for the borderline ones. The one that's called a pass interference – or maybe isn't, and when you go back on the replay, a little bit of of jostling happened, but now does the referee now call that a flag? When really, in today's NFL, there's probably a lot of plays where there isn't pass interference, or there's pushing and shoving from both players. In that moment, it might not look like pass interference, but now if you go back on the replay, even if the offensive player is doing something, is that going to be called pass interference? That's my problem is, and maybe this is coming from the fact that I just coached yesterday one of the worst umped baseball games of my entire career, Mr. Rinaldi. You get I mean, tossed? No, I can't. I can't. If I get tossed as an assistant coach, we, I get suspended for a game. So I cue fire tried. the cre- fire the guys up. Our head coach fire tried. the team up. Our head coach tried, Mr. Rinaldi. Slight tangent. You'll appreciate this. He walked out to the umpire and he goes, "Tell me you might have missed that call." And the guy's like, "I'm not going to tell you that, Jamie." And he goes, "You missed that call. You blatantly missed that call." And then. The guy walks away from him to like stand by first base. Now I'm front and center because I'm the first base coach, right? And he turns around right around the first baseman and goes, this game's moving way too fast for you right now. Didn't dump him. Didn't say a word. Nothing. Didn't warn him to later on in the game. Kid missed second base. He didn't call it. Q told him he was out of position. He told him that he's been terrible all day. And the good dude just said it was his one warning. Never dumped him. You've never seen such bad umpiring. In your entire life. But that's my problem with referees. Their judgment 
sometimes tends to be the wrong judgment. I get it. It's human error. But for <laughs> to you, blow me up on Twitter and Instagram if you think I'm wrong. But I think majority of people are going to agree with me that NFL officiating especially has been brutal recently. And now we're going to put more judgment calls in these guys' hands. That to me, Mr. Rinaldi, psh, that's the line that I don't want to start crossing. And we're crossing it. Right, and now you're going to throw in the mix the judgment call of the coaches. Yes. Who are going to think, well, I believe in my eyes that's pass interference. From 60 yards away across the field, 30 yards down. Right. So, I mean, ideally, how many of those blatant calls are missed, like in the Saints game? I mean, obviously, again, it's magnified because it's the play. It's the game that gets the, you know, uh, the semis going into the freaking Super Bowl. Like, how do you blow that call? Yeah, right. That's it. Like, how, like that's the one time you don't want to blow the call. I get that. But now it's changing the rule to, I think, I think it's worse. I think we're going to get more, more problems with this. Like I said, it's a trial for a year, right? That's it's, the only good thing about it. They're going to work the kinks out. Same thing they're talking about putting a pitching clock in baseball. I mean, the rules, they're adapting these rules on a daily basis. On a yearly basis, these competition committees try to figure out what's the best way to go about it. I don't know. NFL's the owners passed it. I don't know. We're having this podcast next year. The year trial's over. What do you think? I think they're going to keep it. It'll be modified. I think every year they're going to modify what they can review penalty wise. And hopefully they never get to the fact of offensive defense holding because, like I said, that's probably every play in the NFL. They should just take that flag out, honestly. Like, who cares? The offensive lineman's running backwards. If he fucking – if that dude makes a move on him and he fucking tackles him, who who cares? I mean, the defensive player gets to tackle the guy with the football. There's no rules on how hard he can hit him. Like, I don't understand why holding is even a problem. That, to me, I get it. The, there is a problem with holding, like a receiver going out for a pass and he gets held. But from an offensive lineman standpoint, I just don't understand how we can even call holding. I don't. I don't get it. Your legit job is to hold. Hold. Right. You're holding the guy from getting to your quarterback. Right. So you're right. And the technique is taught to get up underneath the pads. You want to get the, the palms and the fingers right up underneath the pads and get the leverage. For the folks listening, you can't see Andrew. I'm, I'm getting, I'm he's getting, getting under underneath under the, the pads, pads there. Right. He's legit. This is why we need to be a visual podcast, <laughs> Mr. Rinaldi. Listen, the fans have been calling for IG Live. Right. Jonathan Guthrie. Johnny Gut. Call me nonstop. We'll get back IG to Johnny line. Gut later on in the show. Teaser, teaser alert. But I mean, hashtag teaser. But you're right. Once you start getting the line of holding, but that's probably where this is going. But gun to my head next year, I think the rule will still be in play. Yeah. Because I think it'll, like I said, it'll save some embarrassment for the officials who blatantly, like the one in the playoffs, who blatantly all from South Southern California, all Rams fans. You know, it'd be really funny is if next year. We're in the NFC Championship game. It's in New Orleans. My New York football giants. The Saints are, are on a game-winning drive. Pass caught in the end zone, right? Mm. Opposing team says, man, I think I saw a push-off there. They blow. They throw the challenge flag. It ends up being a push-off. The, the Saints get sent back the 15 Randy yards. The the Saints, push-off. Saints get moved back 15 yards. They lose the a- NFC Championship game because of the changed rule. Wow. See, I hope that happens. That, yeah, that would totally make the rule. <laughs> that would be awesome. Wow. Yeah. I so hope By that letter happens. of the law, you, know, you push it on. I mean, it's tough to call. I mean, uh, you don't have to dissect the play that hasn't happened yet. I'm just saying. What how, are you doing? how ironic would that be? We got March Madness to talk about. It, you want to talk fucking NFL rule changes. All right. You meant, you meant, you mentioned John Gutt. I love it. All right. John Gutt came on because I asked the question on Instagram. I said, 
Once you saw that Duke game against UCF. Taco. And I, then I'm going to have you give the team and the, the squad out here listening to the DAP podcast a nice little Yahoo tournament update with our 41 participants. But I asked the question to inst- Instagram, and your boy John Gutt had a good response. I said, are the Dukies vulnerable now after you saw what you saw from UCF? And he said, everybody in the tournament is vulnerable. The Dukies will lose if Zion doesn't play well or if they miss free throws. Couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, it's a simple, great breakdown of the Duke. They can't shoot. They play great defense, and they force turnovers. So Give any, the ball to Zion. Any good coach team, like a Gonzaga, who you saw beat them at their full strength, a UNC, a good coach, Roy Williams team, pack the middle. Don't let don't let the ball handlers get into the lane and dish. I mean, that's actually what you want them to do. I'm sorry. You want them to get in the lane and block them up so they, they kick it out because nobody in that team, because Cam Reddish, their supposed sharpshooter, decides which game he wants to play, which game he wants to take off. I heard something great the other day. I forget which basketball analyst said it, but he said, we used to tell guys all the time, you're wide open for a reason. <laughs> you're left wide open for a reason, and that's where Cam Reddish is at right now because he's not hitting shots. Yeah, and I, I think that it takes a little bit of luck. You know, a, a lot of these games come down to your skill and, like I said, coaching and all that nonsense, but sometimes you need a little bit of luck. I mean, UCF had two great looks at that, but you know, someone, someone up there is a Duke fan. Put the lid on the basket, because I mean, that's bunnies. That little, that little, that little putback. It just it rolled around the rim. And Andrew. but it, to me, it came back to the alley oop. The missed alley oop was seventy four seventy. Yeah, yeah, it, that, that's a bunny's alley oop. If you can jump so, that high, this is a bounce here, bounce there. On tight hoop, it's a bunny alley oop for me. Oh snap! The block you though. But a bounce here, bounce there changes the whole tourney. And listen, so sometimes Duke, you need a little bit of awakening. Yeah, and I think they, I think they got it. And your boy John got hit it on the nail. All right, listen, listen. Give the people because we know we're staying March Maddie style. What do you got? But give the people a good little rundown on your boy. Oh, excuse me, that's just me and how good I'm doing. But relax, God. the dab podcast. You're like one ahead of me. Yeah. Whatever it is, I don't know what you're ahead of me. What do we got? But listen, folks, really appreciate the outpouring of support for the Dad Podcast. We got yes. 41 participants. Love it. You know, that's a that's a big step up from our last one. So hopefully, the next one that we create, whichever one that will be, <laughs> maybe a box pool when my daughter's going to be born. Oh, that's a, not a bad one. Get a little torn. Get a little yeah. I need diaper fund. Or we do one of those things in the NFL season where you have to pick a team per week. I like your answer. Oh, but we need more than 41 people. That's right. Ooh, hello. But, like I, I mean, listen, folks, 41 of you knuckleheads filled out a bracket. I want to say, not surprisingly, my wife is in first place. Really? I always pick Duke 56 points and typical knucklehead wife of mine. God, God bless her soul, my beautiful wife. There seems to be an issue, though. Nine months pregnant. Filling out her bracket. <laughs> Selects Duke versus Kentucky in the championship, but never actually selected Duke. Ooh. So she can only score 148 possible points. And that means. Which is not the highest. So she's in first place now by two. But that 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 lead will slowly. Well, I should say one point, but two correct picks. I mean, she picked 41 out of 48 games. She did a great job. Which is pretty impressive. I guess I'm not good, doing as good as I thought. My I boy, was. Eric Laro. I think my my crazy uncle Mike is in second as well, and another Mike K, all in the top four. You know, 
wall one point away. It's everybody, Mike K's tip-top bracket, babe. Everybody really is a point away. Like it's, it's a close bracket. Andrew Romanella, I think he's somewhere in there. I'm tied he, for ninth. He's tied for ninth with his brother. I was killing it with for Hitchcock. A bit. 49 points, not bad. Iowa State and Kansas killed me. I'm, I got 48 points. I'm one point behind you, you Grizzly. But yes, you're right. I had Villanova going to the Final Four. That hurts. Terrible. I told you, you Villanova. Listen, Jay Wright let me Come down. On. Jay Wright, you let me down. Free th- free throws, free throws, free throws. You let me down. But typically, it is what it is. John Gut, he's hanging around. He's got 48 points. Well, we appreciate it, people. We appreciate you being a part of the Dab Podcast bracket. Games, games coming back in the next few days, so yeah. look, look forward to Thursday? it. Thursday? Thursday night. Thursday starts the Sweet 16. Give me that. You know, before we get into the Sweet 16, though, and before we make our What Do You Got pick on the tourney, how'd you feel the first two rounds were? Because I heard a lot of people complaining about the fact that there weren't – I mean, you can't complain. The kids, kids, it's not like it's a video game. These kids have to play the games and – However, how hard and however good they play ends up resulting in how the tournament plays out. But I thought it was fantastic. And I thought it was – there were a lot of good games. I, there were a lot of bad games too. But that's every freaking year. But because you didn't see – probably because last year a 16 beat a 1, it gave everybody high expectations. When you see a 13 like UC Irvine beat a 4, it almost doesn't seem to be as like, whoa, because I picked it. Oh, look at you. Pat and – Folks, I think he just threw his shoulder out of the socket, pat himself on the back. Ooh, man, I need He's going to have to go see the trainer. There is no doubt in my mind that this tournament is just basically chalk. It's all chalk. I mean, the, the Sweet 16 has potential. There's potential for the Elite Eight for the first time in tournament history, Andrew, to be four number ones and four number twos. That'd be pretty cool. First time ever, 34 years of this magical tournament happening. And I think if that's the case... I mean, what's the, I mean, what's the hate though? I mean, you look at the coaches of these teams, and it's just it's the it's the top of the line coaches. And you look at the teams all year long: the Gonzagas, the Tennessees, the Dukes, the UNCs. Those have been number ones. Those have been ranked number one all year. They've jumped each other. They've been the top five all year. So teams like that, I mean, they, they deserve the accolades they're going to get, and they're playing the best. And yeah, Duke got lucky with their bounce, but listen, they're still dancing. All right, I'm going to list off. The one and the two seeds. Okay. If you had to choose one of these teams, that would ruin the possibility first for them to be ones and twos for the first time ever. I want to know. We got Gonzaga, Michigan, North Carolina, Kentucky, Virginia, Tennessee, Duke, Michigan State. Which of those eight teams do you feel like could be the one that ruins the opportunity for it to be all ones and twos in the Elite Eight? Tennessee Volunteers. Stop it. <laughs> Andrew Romanella's national Stop. championship. You think? I am not impressed. Well, Purdue- I was I was surprised when they jumped to number one, first off. Like when when Duke went on that losing streak when Zion went, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, who's number one? UNC, Gonzaga. Like, Tennessee? I'm like, wait, what? The Volunteers? Like, when did they get good at basketball again? Well, I'm super when nervous. Bruce Pearl left years ago. Like, what happened? I'm nervous about their their game against Purdue. I and I had I had a lot of I had a lot of hate going for the Big Ten this year just because, obviously, my natural Big Ten hate. I don't like anybody in the Big Ten. I thought Michigan State was probably the only team that would represent out of there. But, I mean, this Purdue team is legit. They're legit. That, listen, Carson Edwards went off for, I think it was, 26 against Old Dominion and then 42 against <laughs> – I'm laughing just even saying it. Your Villanova choice for the Final Four. 42. This dude was unconscious. 
shot 56% from beyond the arc. That scares me. It really does because Tennessee had a lot of issues and had to win in overtime. And they played an Iowa team that they're a good Iowa team. They're good. They were good offense, Iowa. It was a high-scoring contest. That scared me a little bit. I like that coach, Matt Painter out of Purdue. Dude is just a, a brilliant mind. Out of those eight, though, for me, it's Michigan State. No, Michigan. Come on. Michigan State. Izzo, give me Izzo all day long. Really? Is Finger pointing? Is, is, give, give me Izzo all day long. I don't hate Beeline. B- Obviously a great coach. Out of Michigan. Yeah, and, I, and you give me Michigan all day long. Yes, you said You're a garbage of the picks. You garbage. give me Michigan all day long. I will take Texas Tech to the house all day against Michigan. Really? All day. Wow. Hashtag another teaser. All Ooh, right. Full of teasers. We are teasered up. All right, fine. It's fine. Let's, let's get into it then. Right? Let's get into it. So this week's What Do You Got? Anthony and I are going to choose a game that we both picked already that we happened to pick the opposite teams winning that ball game. So we're going to go head-to-head in that. Ball game. Before we give it to you, though, I'm going to remind you that last week I chose UC Irvine. I chose them over Kansas State, and I get that one point because you chose a tough Seton Hall over Wofford, and that was brutal. You you didn't let me really choose. I really like my Murray State, okay. but uh, you, since you, you want, you made that decision. Since you want, you since you want to break the rules, make up some crap. Andrew. You made that decision. I'll give you the one point because you're greedy, so you got to take it. Forty-two and thirty-six. I am. 42 and 36, and you are 35 and 43. Brutal. It's brutal. That is brutal. You're doing all right, though, I guess. Whatever. Living the dream. Who, who even judges this contest? Not <laughs> Just us. Not Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> not Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. It's hates when the scoreboard gets repeated. Here's the deal. I saw you get throwing shade to Alfred Hitchcock on Instagram. I did. He filled out his bracket. He's doing pretty well, too. He's doing pretty well. Listen, it's a step up from last time when he didn't fill out his bracket. <laughs> Yeah, he's, I think his exact quote was, you're making me pick five and seven versus six and six teams. <laughs> you're not gaining my interest. <laughs> yeah. Well done. In defense. All right. So listen, you know what, Mr. Rinaldi? I'm going to let you tell the people. So what do we got this week? Simple, Andrew. I think it's a Thursday game. Is it Thursday game? March 28th. Look I'll double check. What's today? The 20. Either way. Texas Tech. Versus Michigan, the three versus the two seed. That's a Friday jump off. That's a Friday. Oh, it's my favorite jump off. It's a Friday jump off. 9.39. It's a Thursday jump off. (laughs) This is. That's my This is why I choose to go first. (laughs) Give me Texas Tech, Edge. I hate Big Ten. I hate the maize and blue. They're garbage. No, they're not garbage. They're pretty damn good because obviously they're a two seed. But like Rodney Dagerfield once said, I get no respect. Texas Tech, picked to be the bottom of the Big 12, gets the three seed, is rolling, is playing stout defense. And what have I been telling you? Defense, 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 and coaching in this Sweet 16. Andrew, give me Texas Tech to the house. Wow. Well, I do agree with you on the defense. My man Jordan Poole and Isbidokius, or however the hell you say that guy's name. He's a, he's a lefty shooter, right? Yeah. Are going are gonna to ball out. And I think Michigan plays some pretty stout defense themselves. Mm-hmm. Poole scored 10 first game, 19 the second game. I have a feeling he's going to come out and he's going he's gonna to drop about 16, but 10 of them in the second half. In the crunch time. Important. Important points. And I think I, I, I picked Michigan for the final four. I love Michigan. I think that that's a good ball club. I think Beeline's a great coach. I think that 
they always play well down the stretch. Their their con- consistency in the tournament the last two, three, four years has been superb. And I'll take that over a Texas Tech team that doesn't have a lot of experience heading down the stretch in this tournament. Give me the Wolverines. Brutal. Gross. Nobody. What's, what's the symbol for Michigan? What do they even do? It's not like a, we are Michigan. <laughs> Stop that. We are the Wolverines. Stop that nonsense. Don't even, do not even mention that. <laughs> oh, those can't be sense. in the same sense. If you could, again, another visual, if you could see Mr. Rinaldi's face right now. You want to grab a trash can? You're about to be sick. I'm going to walk off the podcast. <laughs> you are. Oh, straight. Give, give me Jarrett Culliver from the Texas Tech, by the way. All right. What's he six giving you? Six foot six swing man. NBA lottery prospect. This dude's a stud. Averaging right now, 22 and a half points. Is he the difference maker for Nine this Texas rebounds, Tech team? Six assists in the first week of the Wow. This man, like I said about John Morant, cementing his NBA lottery status. This dude, Culver, Culver, look out for him, man. Dude. All right. He's going to be crossing up Michigan. Your, your boy, Yosgaskis, whatever his name I is. I love when you give me predictions. I want a prediction. Dude, Pritchard, 24 points. <laughs> 12 boards, 7 assists. Come get oh, some. I thought you were going to go Come triple get some. double. No, no, no. Oh, that's, 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 the last one just happened the, the week this past weekend. I don't want. I don't think number two is going to come. Yeah, I'm going to try and jinx that. Don't push the envelope. Before we get out of here, I have to ask you this question. It's a, I think it's a fun debate, fun top, topic of debate. You love March Madness so much. If you had to put that up against any other playoffs out there, NHL, MLB, NFL, the World Cup, I don't care. What is your favorite playoff or playoffs? I guess whatever tense you're using it in. What are your what's your favorite? My favorite playoff, the past tense. Nice. I would say I know we talked about this a few podcasts ago, probably or the last one ever, but I mentioned the World Cup because every four years it kind of brings the world together, national stage. But in this instance, when you really break it down and you think about lose and go home, I mean, what's better than Watching March Madness. I mean, for the sheer aspect of no work, it's done Thursday and Friday because everyone's <laughs> everyone's glued to their iPads, their screens. Everyone's watching the game. They're at bars, having lunch. It's a great scheme. It's a great scene across. I mean, frankly, these kids don't get any money. Sadly, NCAA is making millions of dollars off this. Millions, maybe billions, probably when you think about it. But I mean, it's just it's just amazing. Like you see, you see games like the Duke UCF could be an upset there. Sixteen over one only happened once in the thirty four years, and you just see. I mean. For, to me, it's the NCAA. Yeah, I, and I don't know. How can you compare? I don't think I don't think you can compare any of the playoffs to this because there's not many one and dones. There aren't. Yeah, I guess really it's only the NFL, right? College football, but there's only four teams that you know that make the playoff anyways. Right. So, so, so to me, that yeah, that that, that can't even compare. I, I, I'm not going to choose baseball. No. I'm going to truthfully for me, I I love the NCAA tournament. I do, but I just think there's nothing like hockey playoffs. Nothing like it. Speed is it's just unmatched. it's unmatched. The physicality, the broadcast of it, and the, and the icing on the cake is you have more of an opportunity to see an eight seed beat a one seed or an upset or a team make a run. Hot goalie, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? You have more of an opportunity to see that in hockey than anything. I feel like for some reason than any other sport. If it's not a Friday, Rome solo with special guest host Alfred Hitchcock. It better be a Tuesday night jump off. They, he's we need. I need. We need some hockey. We need hits. Right? Aren't the playoffs around the corner? Yeah, they are. Aren't, things Starting are heating up week. in the metropolitan division. Yeah, you know, I'm no hockey guy, but I know. Those, I pay attention. <laughs> I, 
I know there's a lot of the, the, the Islanders, you know, local team. Let's let's put a call into Hitchcock. All right, let's get him. Let's yeah, get him on here. Islanders are good. They weren't supposed to be. Talking Capitals about are up there, right? early. They're always no pl- no championship hangover there, huh? The Islanders head coach now is the Capitals head coach from Mr. last Barry year. Barry Trotz. Yeah. Pay attention. Look at you. And they got spurned by Mr. Mr. Joey Toronto up there. Johnny Tavares. There's a lot going on. We need we need Hitchcock. We need Hitchcock. Let's talk to Hitchcock. Our Tambro door killing it. And that. Oh, no, he's retired. Oh. All right. Well, that's where we draw the line. Listen, Mr. Rinaldi, it is a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Remote location, Fairleigh Dickinson University, Florham. Love you, baby. I can't wait to get into the games this weekend. I don't think there's going to be many upsets. I mean, it's going to be tough. The only non-chalk team right now is what, the 12 Oregon seed, which has been playing pretty well. But I'm excited for that. We got Yankee baseball, Met baseball Thursday. Can't wait. I'm going open today. Open You'll see day. me there. It's exciting. Three generations of Rinaldi's, Hawthorne Glass, myself, and the Dominator. You better be bringing that damn podcast gear. I don't know. Put the jersey over it. Put the jersey over it. Who wears a jersey <laughs> over a Who wears a t-shirt jersey over a hoodie? If it's cold. Am I Billy Belichick? No, it's 51 maybe. degrees. It's going to be beautiful out there. Cut the sleeves. It's going <laughs> to take the Dominator over to Stan's and Billy's, grab a beer, too. That's exciting. Get a hot dog. Then started early. That's right. I'll pull him out of daycare, just like my dad used to pull me out of out of, out of, out of school, go to opening day. Love it. Traditions, brother. Love it. Traditions. That's why baseball. Dad is great. podcast traditions. Dad podcast. Starting tradition. them young. Another tradition on the dad podcast is visiting us on Twitter and on Instagram. Social media. Bleh. At Dab Podcast on both of them. Get to the website, dabpodcast.com. Get us at dabpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I am Andrew Romanella. That's my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Time for me to go. Take us home, Andrew. We are the Dab Podcast. This has been episode 61. I am not under the weather, so I will be back with you this Friday. Special guest, John Macri, Bleacher Report, New York Knicks beat reporter. Going to get a little basketball going on as we talk about the Knicks not being in the playoffs. Until then, for the Dab Podcast, I will talk to you later.